Welcome to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. I'm talking to Laura Wazowski, the Functional Solution Architect for Capgemini Norway. Hi, Andy. Nice to be back again after Dreamforce. And Tamim Bari, the Salesforce CTO for Capgemini Europe. Hi, Andy. Great to be here. And we're talking about what we all learned, uh, or some of what we learned at Dreamforce 2019. Uh, we're going to start with the Apple relationship. And Tamim, I think you've got some opinions on that. Oh, yeah. So this, this is one of the um, very key topics during Dreamforce. Um, Salesforce has basically announced a new Salesforce mobile application and a brand new learning application, which is called Trailhead Go. They are both exclusive um, to, to Apple uh, iOS and, and iPad iOS. Both are available on App Store uh, currently. Uh, so basically, as part of this um, partnership, Salesforce is, is, uh, has launched a new version of the Salesforce mobile SDK. The SDK will support um, you know, the latest tools available with, with Apple's Swift programming language. Um, Salesforce, basically, the, the, the new mobile app will add Einstein AI and analytics, and on top of that, will integrate with iOS features such as Siri and Face ID, which I find uh, very, very interesting. And also the Salesforce mobile app will support Apple hands-off features that, that allows users to hop between devices. I'm not sure about you, Andy, but I, I find this particular feature very cool when I'm working on my Mac. Uh, well, I, I personally don't have a Mac, so less useful for me. But what I just heard you say and what I've read, though, this seems awfully iOS-focused. And when I, when I first saw Apple Relationship, was one of the things coming out of Dreamforce. I mean, Apple does a lot more than just mobile. Uh, and uh, with Siri, a little bit of voice. Do you think that they're going to expand this relationship to include other things that Apple does? Or, or it sounds like maybe voice and mobile is the future. So that's where they're, they're putting, all of their, uh, putting all of their effort. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's interesting. So currently... Um you know that they they are partnershiping on them or creating that partnership to target uh, iPhone, um, add more features. You know to the Salesforce mobile app that that mainly integrates with iPhone. Uh, voice is definitely um, an area that Salesforce is focusing on with Einstein Voice. So you know on, on another uh, you know on another hand, Salesforce has unveiled Einstein Voice last year. We we we. Have, all familiar with that, you know, with its capability to update um, CRM records, for example, using voice commands. But you know, with with, with during this year, we um, we've also about some new Einstein voice features like Einstein voice skills, which allows developers to create voice-powered applications for Salesforce platform, uh, adding the possibility of new potential use cases. For example, imagine enabling a field technician to check on, on a service, particular service history for a particular client while driving to, to the next customer. So this is the kind of things that you would expect to be done with, with the Einstein voice skills plus other uh, use cases. Um, it's not going to be around for, for a while. I think it's it's planned for two, 2021, um, but it's probably going to be uh, announced for beta a little bit earlier than that. 
um, as I mentioned, you know, with, with, with voice, we see, you know, that it's becoming a trend, but it's for, it, it's, um, it, it will take some time for the enterprises and, you know, for business professional to take hold of it. Uh, currently we believe that the biggest opportunity is with customer facing voice interactions, um, where cust- customers are increasingly looking to interact with, um, you know, with, with, with applications and brands using different methods. Voice is one of these uh, methods that's gaining traction. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where we see Einstein voice is, um, is fitting that, that gap. Well, so, and I, I'm, I'm aiming this at you and <laughs> you and Laura as well. Uh, it's interesting because at least in North America, in, in the U.S., the, uh, there's a, uh, almost re- religious dichotomy between the people that use the Apple mobile devices and the people that do not. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm talking about Android. Does this, does this, is, is there a similar effort afoot from Salesforce to offer these services to Android or have they basically said, yeah, Android, nah, nah, we're all about uh, iPhone since it's the future? I think that's a really interesting question, uh, Andy. And and I will say that I actually made a point of going up and asking a number of people when Trailhead Go was slated to be available for Android. And, uh, and the answer was that they didn't know. So usually you'll get from Salesforce something about, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, safe harbor, safe harbor, uh, but maybe 2021. Um, but, but they said, yeah, no, we don't know. Um, and, and I really think that that's, uh, an, uh, I was expecting a little bit more of a backlash or a reaction to this because I am an Android user and, and I would really love Trailhead Go on my phone. Um, and I have, I, I know a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't know how it is in all countries in Europe, but, but Android is definitely prevalent and, um, they're really cutting out, uh, a large part of their user base. Uh, by only uh, releasing this to to iOS platform, so I am curious to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I I'll, I have a, a Windows computer. I prefer I prefer Windows on my computers, but uh, I, I otherwise have embraced Apple on the the tablet, watch, uh, phone front. Uh, so I'm I'm fine with all this, but I, I do have an awful lot of coworkers that use Android devices. Uh, uh, as as Tamim said, uh, at some point. Hopefully, Salesforce will start a conversation with Safe Harbor, but and they'll tell us what their vision is for mobile. And, and I think that segues us nicely into Einstein Voice. At some point, I have to believe there's a plan to be mobile device or endpoint independent. And I would assume uh, Einstein Voice is part of that. Uh, and to me, back, back to you, I think you've got some opinions about uh, Einstein Voice as well. Yeah, well, uh, again, we, we, we see a, a wider push, to be honest, from, from other tech giants towards conversational voice interfaces uh, for business. Um, Microsoft Cortana, for example, Amazon Alexa for business, and, and, and some others. Um, but again, you know, as, as I see it today, uh, it will take time for, for enterprises. Um, the current opportunity is mainly for, for customers, consumers. Um, there, well, there needs to be um, an assessment, basically, on on the kind of customers that uh, that we can target for for a particular uh, voice powered interface. But this is this is the short term, as as I see it. 
so I, I mean, all this is, uh, and I I'll, and I can edit this, guys, and I'll edit some of my ums out. But I hear what you're saying to me. Uh, I, I will hearken back, to, and I'm not sure who I'm quoting, but uh, the comment that a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, for me, I, I I love the push to voice, but. Good Lord, I, I don't really need a, a mobile device spending five minutes explaining something to me that it could have done with a, an annotated photograph or, or even better yet, augmented reality. I mean, my hope personally and my, uh, as I commented earlier, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been doing this for a long time, which means I see the, the retirement slash the end of my career coming in the next 10 or 15 years. But I hope I'm working long enough to see the combination of, say, augmented reality and voice. Something where it's, it's, I can point my phone at something and it will annotate it and explain to me. And I can say, see that thing there? That's where I'm having a problem. And it'll come back and draw a little diagram over it and explain to me what I need to do. I mean, for me, the, the holy grail of, of human computer interaction is that it's essentially the same as a knowledgeable person standing there and contextually helping me through whatever my issue is. And, and I, I do think that's more than voice, but it looks like we're, we're pushing augmented reality. We're pushing mobile devices and cameras. We're pushing voice all in that direction where we'll eventually have a synthesized expert help, helping me standing right there. Or am I, am I dreaming? Oh, no, no. I, I, I think it's a, a really interesting um, thought exercise to, to understand where, how, how can voice really help us? Uh, and when does voice simply become another template that we have to use uh, in order to achieve our interface? So for me, personally, the examples that Salesforce has shared at Dreamforce both this year and last year in terms of using Einstein voice to, for instance, dictate notes that can then be translated into actions. That looks really great, but that you're also conforming to a format of input that is dictated by Salesforce. And personally, I'm not that structured with my thoughts. I need to, uh, you know, start typing and then figure out where I'm going with a sentence or collect my thoughts and, um, I'm not sure I'm ever going to fit into that kind of a streamlined format that seems to be what you need to use in order to to give, you know, Salesforce these kinds of interactions. I get nervous trying to talk to my uh, Google uh, Home Mini because I don't know what I can and cannot talk to them about. I'm laughing. I, I go on mute when I'm not talking on these things to make my editing easier, but I'm laughing as you talk because my transcripts, the transcripts that I produce for for these podcasts, which I suspect some people are, are, are reading these words right now rather than taking the time to listen to the podcast, uh, at the top it always says, this podcast transcript is edited for clarity and brevity. Uh, because I, I got to say, sometimes the if you if you look at the pure transcripts of what we say on these podcasts uh you're like what I, I spend a significant amount of time reorganizing and structuring people's thoughts so i i hear you the the idea frankly of walking away from a, a service call and saying in you know into a microphone as i'm climbing into my car and driving to my next appointment what i just did I, i'm Frankly, I'm not sure I want what I might say while I'm driving in traffic, trying to remember what I just did necessarily posted to a 
uh, to a case record in, in Salesforce. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention if you, when you come out of a sales appointment, a sales meeting, and you're walking through a crowded, you know, first floor uh, entrance hall or on the street or whatever, you don't want to be talking about, hey, you know, uh, had a great meeting with Macy, uh, the purchaser, let's bump up that order for next, you know, you don't want to be sharing those kinds of things in a way that can be gathered up by others. So, so I'm not entirely convinced of the, of the use here. I think that all plays back to, to the fact that, um, you know, as, 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 as we mentioned earlier, the enterprise and, and business professionals are, are still, you know, still, they, they still have a long way to go before, before, you know, voice can be the right channel or, or the right tool for them. Um, but think of, you know, the, the, the example that we said that voice is probably the low hanging fruit currently is for customers, consumers. Um, here we're talking about a completely different set of, of, of uh, you know, of, of users. Uh, we're talking about younger uh, set of, of people. I, I do appreciate, I do often refer to myself as a Luddite. So, so I do understand that point. I mean, that I think that, that the use cases here um, are going to be evolving dramatically. We are still in an, a very early phase. Um, so, so I just would say that so far my imagine my imagination has not been captured by this. It's always looking for the silver cloud. What I'm hearing uh, while I'm sitting here, and guys, you all know I've I've done entrepreneurial things earlier in my career. Um, I'm hearing that I need a a virtual personal assistant. I need to be able to to dictate my notes, and before it gets posted to Salesforce, I need it to go through a processor that makes me sound like a, a you know a fantastic writer with structured thoughts. It cleans up my thoughts absolutely, and makes sure that what gets posted is is clean. So it's it's really I, I think, and I don't I mean we can we can do entire podcasts just on this, but I think it's a uh, taking it's taking a, a step back and going what is the the overall synthesized experience. At the end of the day, I want, as a as someone who's sold in the past, as someone who's done service, I would love to have uh, the equivalent of literally an expert standing next to me, so, which is voice, which is pictures, which is video, which is augmented reality, which is even some some pre and post processing. The as I tell people when we when I start a project to implement Sales Cloud. I always, ha- I always ask my team, what do salespeople want from Salesforce? And it's always what Salesforce does. And I eventually interrupt them and say, no, they want Salesforce to tell them who the people are they need to call today to make sales to get the commissions. They, they don't care about the details. They want the tool to make them more effective as easily as possible. And I, I think that I think voice is a big piece of that, but it sounds like there's we we have a, a an opportunity to to be part of the what the, the what the larger picture is, and that and that's the beauty. I mean, frankly, of working for a company like uh, like Cap Gemini is we have people doing augmented reality, we have people doing voice, we have people doing AI. A lot of interesting stuff comes out of the Cap Research Organization that I think we have an opportunity to to help work with Salesforce to drive a lot of this forward. So with that, and, and you all, you all, before this podcast started, you all talked about Evergreen. Frankly, I feel like I'm a little bit behind here. So I'm, I'm hoping to Mimi, you can kick off this segment by 
telling us a little bit more about what Evergreen is? Sure, sure. It's it's uh, it's one of my favorite new features actually. So uh, Salesforce Evergreen is uh, is a new addition to to the platform. It allows developers mainly to build complex serverless functions um, using common programming languages such as Node.js, um, such as Java, such as uh, Epics. Uh, and then run it on a fully managed Kubernetes, uh, you know, uh, environment. So basically, think of you know that the, these these uh, concepts such as function as a service, uh, where you build a particular logic. You you know the developer would create a particular lo- logic uh, written in in something like Node.js, and um, then trigger that logic directly from Salesforce using Epic. So, or, you know, like typically you uh, trigger an external function or using platform events. Um, This, you know, function as a service then would handle some heavy lifting processes, such as generating a very complex PDF, for example, and then sending it back to Salesforce to save it or or to do any kind of heavy data crunching uh, in the cloud. Again, it's it's serviceless, uh, uh, serverless, sorry, uh, and runs on, on Kubernetes. Um, again, you can think of, of the microservices pattern where you're building, uh, you know, serviceless uh, HTTP apps and APIs that can be quickly uh, built and 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 evolved by small agile team. Um, so that all can can also be uh, realized using this new feature. Uh, also, there is the managed data stores like Postgres, Apache Kafka, and, and Redis that complements the Salesforce data APIs for, you know, uh, perhaps for high, high performance uh, data storage, like, you know, what you do with, with Kafka, for example, or real time eventing. All of that can actually now exist in, in Evergreen uh, or can be realized with Evergreen. So it's, it's a new feature that adds a lot of power to the platform. That uh, something we, we we struggled with, you know, with with governor limits, and we used to come up with with workarounds. Now it's kind of a built-in uh, workaround. Yeah, governor governor limits. I, I, don't even get me started. Uh, I understand why they exist, but I try to tell people that are starting their careers that as developers in Salesforce, that is their single largest challenge to learn. They, they More than anything else, they've got to understand how to work around those. So I'm glad that Salesforce is, is giving us some options to, to make that less, uh, uh, less burdensome. Now, you said something I, I find interesting. I, so I live in uh, Northern Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., and, and I still remember mid-90s, the second half of the 90s, when I, I first heard about web methods and the idea of a, a, a system a service-oriented architecture. Uh, is, it sounds to me like it's the same thing when I read about MuleSoft and API-led uh, IT environments. Are we talking essentially about the same thing? It's it's one more way to uh, to provide services and now just in a cleaner way to Salesforce, or is this something different? Well, I guess this is this is a very interesting topic on its own. So SOA gained uh, a little bit of, of, of uh, bad reputation, but that was due to uh, either the tools or, or the way it was realized. Now, with API-led connectivity and with microservices, we are talking about slightly different but also very similar 
approaches uh, where in, in you know we we are still following the, the the some of the key principles of SOA that yes you have your methods in the cloud um, they are as independent as possible they 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 connect with each other using standard protocols like you know based on on REST and HTTP HTTP uh, light protocols and APIs um, again with microservices we might move on to, to the world of they also have their own storage. Uh, it has to be completely independent. It doesn't have to be relying on, on any other uh, service or, 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 or microservice. Uh, it has to be small enough so that it's managed by a smaller agile team um, and that these kind of principles. Uh, while we're, when we're talking about function as a service, it's um, a little bit you know simpler. Not talking about storage in in this case. Uh, we're talking about a function that does a particular uh, task in the cloud that you can invoke at, at a particular time. It scales up and elastically sticks, scales up and, and down, basically based on on demand. Um, so all of that kind of functionalities you get with less efforts than than than, than what we used to do before. So if if I may, Andy um, and Hamim, I. I will jump in just with a uh, not at all a different take on Evergreen, but just from a completely different perspective, which is significantly less technical than than Tamim does have and has shared with us here. But from my uh, more functional understanding of, of Evergreen, but also some of the other things that came out of Dreamforce this year, what I'm seeing is is actually a little bit of a a recognition of the role that Salesforce sees its own platform playing in in the architecture of of its customers, and so with Evergreen, my simplistic take on it is it uh, a little bit going back to governor limits is that Salesforce is saying we see some uh, limits on you know we see how how governor limits for instance or other or other technical limitations on the platform are limiting our customers, so we want to introduce something that will continue to fuel the growth uh, and the value from our platform. So here we have Evergreen, uh, which which some one of my colleagues explained to me is, you know, let's say that you want to have an image processing technology where you, you know, you upload large image files and you need to create thumbnails for them. Well, now you can do that completely within Salesforce by, by writing your Java application within Evergreen. And then precisely as Tamim says, you call that function from within Salesforce directly. So to me, that again is a question of, of you know, expanding the value that Salesforce can, can deliver to its customers. Um, and perhaps it's a stretch, but I also see uh, along that same axis, the headless plays that are going on both in, in CMS, but also in commerce. Um, one of my taglines for Dreamforce is, is less is more. Uh, because I see that Salesforce is saying that they are now at the point we're recognizing that that they can provide some of the, shall we say, underbelly uh, or the 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 low level, not low level, um, the processing, the technology, the functionality uh, through either CMS or commerce, uh, and then let their customers use other tools to expose it to the end user. And, and I think that's a really interesting move because it does kind of open up the idea that that you are separating uh, function from presentation. And, and that goes back to, to me, at least, to the, when we started introducing HTML versus CSS and, and the idea of, expo- of separating out 
design and and uh, content. This is part of a larger conversation I think we can have in a separate podcast, but uh, it's interesting. I see a, a, what I'll call a bifurcation in the provision of Salesforce services coming. There's going to continue to be point solutions. Someone, a client comes to us and wants sales cloud. A client comes to us and wants uh, service cloud. But based on this conversation, based on the conversations I've had with Mike King, the uh, the architect for our, our commerce cloud practice in North America and others, it sounds like there's going to be a new layer above all of that of how you plug Salesforce into the enterprise. There, there's, it sounds like there's going to be an entire business around not just the point solutions, but how they all tie together and how they tie into uh, legacy on-premise systems, as well as, as we talked about earlier, uh, new Apple services, new uh, Amazon web services, new fill in the blank. And that, that I think we're, we're headed into a, an, an exciting new world of, uh, of opportunity to do really interesting uh, cutting edge uh, uh, technical architect work. Although when I've been on the client side and someone, <clears throat> and someone says, Hey, there's some interesting work coming. I always grin. <laughs> well, but, but I think that your point there is entirely correct. Uh, Andy, that, that there is this shifting role. I mean, when I, uh, when, when people ask me what I do and I say, I work with Salesforce and they give me a blank stare, I try to figure out how do I explain what Salesforce is and and I start by saying, well, it's used to be a CRM, but it's so much more, you know, and I start talking about how it really is a platform that supports almost all facets of business. And these moves with with Evergreen, uh, with the customer 360, with the the headless versions um, or varieties or flavors, shall we say, of some of their products, they really are uh, addressing Salesforce, as you say, in the enterprise. How can we use this platform nicely together with and augmenting and supporting all of the other uh, tools that we have in the architecture and and ultimately fulfilling the business needs? Yeah, it definitely sounds like we have uh, multiple future future podcasts and white papers and accelerators <laughs> uh, ahead of us for all of this. Well, that's the the end of the topics that we had listed to talk about today. Uh, is there anything else that came out of Dreamforce that you all want to touch on before we wrap this up? Plenty, but I guess, you know, we, <laughs> we got to try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say that that I I uh, did tend to focus on some of the tracks that that lie in the little bit of the periphery of the solutions themselves that have to do a little bit with with how we are able to enable our customers to maximize the value of investments in solutions like Salesforce. Uh, there's, there's were sessions on, on the role of enterprise architecture and, and also um, sessions on how to work and what, how to work differently uh, in order to continue maximizing uh, the business value from investments in Salesforce, or shall we broaden that a little bit and say, and you know, how do you work in a way? How do you organize your company, your teams, your your budgeting in a way that allows enables innovation at a at a faster speed? And that's something that you know, with with 
Capgemini colleagues from both Invent and IDEAN and, uh, and from our, our uh, digital customer experience practices, we're very focused on with our clients. And I just found it very interesting to see uh, what I saw con- considered a, a focus on this, um, albeit small in the amidst the 3000 plus sessions that were available. Uh, it was something that that certainly piqued my interest. Yeah, it certainly sounds like we've got an interesting handful of years ahead of us where uh, where Salesforce is concerned. Uh, uh, and with that, uh, Laura, Tamim, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, Laura. You've been listening to the Capgemini Salesforce podcast series. To learn more about Capgemini and Salesforce, go to www.capgemini.com forward slash partner forward slash Salesforce. 